For tuning in to the 229th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, whichever podcasting app or platform you are listening to me via. Also, thank you everybody listening on WJCU, the John Carroll radio station. 7 a.m. in the morning. Going to have a great pod for everybody today. Going to have Ben Karen on, host of the Sports Squabbler podcast. We will be previewing week 12 of NFL action, as lo- along with week 13 of college football action. We'll also get into the Thursday games as well. Uh, the Thanksgiving games, Houston Texans, Detroit Lions, Dallas Cowboys versus Washington Redskins. Those Thanksgiving games, we'll also get into the Ravens-Steelers game that was postponed. Also talk a little bit about the college football playoffs. They just released their first set of rankings, I think, Monday or Tuesday night. So me and Ben are definitely going to talk about that because we all know how Ben Karen feels about the little guys. The Cincinnati's, the UCF's, the BYU's of the world. Cincinnati's seventh. So that's going to be really interesting to get Ben's reaction on all of that. Now, here's where I want to start. This is probably going to be the first ever monologue I've ever done on Barbershop Sports Talk that has nothing to really do with sports or stories. And I decided I want to do this because I, I it's Thanksgiving, right? And I wanted to take some time to just say thank you to everybody. Because uh, I guess I'm just in the mindset right now, you know, you have Thanksgiving dinner and I'm sitting and, and you kind of realize... As you get older, we take things for granted. Like, I remember, like, I used to hate family vacations, uh, hate family dinners. And now you're looking around and you're like, oh, crap. Probably not going to have too many family dinners with my mom, my dad, my brother. Like, just all sitting down at the table. Those times are probably fleeting. Uh, Just all of us sitting down like that. Those times are fleeting. And it makes you kind of appreciate uh, the the finer things in life, right? Uh, Things that maybe... I didn't appreciate when I could remember being in 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade. Uh, so it just kind of opened your eyes. But I, I do want to say this. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who listens, who supports my podcast, because I could not be here without so many people, right? So many people. I, I can remember when I was a freshman in college and... I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. I can do what Stephen A. Smith does. I can do what Max Kellerman does or Colin Coward or Will Kane or any of these guys you see on ESPN, CBS, Fox Sports 1 uh, podcast. Bill Simmons does a lot of podcasts. And I, I remember towards the end of, uh, it was my end of my freshman year, I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I can do this. And uh, shout out to my grandma, Gertrude Lane. She bought me my first ever uh, pair of podcasting equipment. And we went from there, right? And I remember doing the first podcast and I was looking back for nostalgia purposes, right? Because I know I was going to talk about this. And I was looking back at my first ever podcast. Now, you can't find it on Spotify. You can't find it on Apple. You can't find it on iTunes. You can't find it on any of that. Uh, Because I only started distributing, and I know this is kind of technical, through my RSS feed. 
uh, for episode 40. But if you guys want to check out my first ever podcast, the pilot episode of Barbershop Sports Talk, you can go on SoundCloud, scroll all the way down, you can see episode one pilot. And super awful. I remember uh, talking about how tough you have to be to be Colin Coward. Just talk, right? I couldn't talk. Everything I did was edited, right? I was stuttering. I, I had gaps going on. Like, I remember my friend Taekwon was editing. He was like, damn, Daryl, this is kind of rough. And I was like, oh, crap. But it was June 1st. Put this in perspective. June 1st, 2017. It was when the Warriors and Cavs game, and the Cavs were going and go- going on. So, Kevin, when Kevin Durant goes to Golden State, it was... Uh, the third installment of the Warriors-Cavaliers rivalry, the first installment of Kevin Durant with Golden State. Now, fast forward to June 1st, 2017. We're all the way at Thanksgiving, um, November 25th, 2020. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of growing. That's a lot of developing. Uh, a lot of change. And um, just wanted to say that because it was just, it, it just got me thinking, right? And it took me six hours to do that podcast. Uh, super time inefficient. I remember I get there super ready. Didn't know what to say, even though I planned for what I was going to say. Like I said, there's a lot of stuttering. There's a lot of editing. I was at my friend Taekwon's house. There's ants on the floor. I'm freaking out. I'm like, what is going on? Um, and I also remember, you know, <laughs> when I started doing my podcast to get better at that, I would practice everything beforehand. So like this, I would just have a piece of paper. I would read it out downstairs my dad could probably test this because he's probably downstairs while all this is going on and i would read all this so i'd do a straight rerun of what i was going to say and then i got to college when i was doing the podcast and i was like okay that's not going to work because that's going to take too much time social life school uh wrestling etc that's not going to take too much that's going to take too much time for me to do it's not going to be time efficient so we cut all that out and i just started just doing it off the cuff like i was like that's not going to work but I want to acknowledge some guests, uh, people who come on regularly. The first two regular guests I ever had, Scotty Johnson. Uh, if you guys don't know, when Scotty comes on, Scotty talks a lot of NBA. And Ben Goodman, who uh, both of them went to John Carroll, and uh, Ben would come on, and Ben would talk about puns, life, and uh, football analytics, because Ben worked for the John Carroll football team, uh, also president of the student union. So Ben would come on quite frequently, and so would Scotty. And those were my first two guests. They were two kids, and, and Ben was a little bit older than me, actually. Uh, but me and Scotty were in the same grade in that freshman year before I was doing the podcast. Me and Scotty didn't talk at all. We'd just always see each other like, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? And we didn't talk, and the podcast made us friends, right? Same with Ben. Same with Ben. And uh, Ben hasn't come on in a while, but I would love to have Ben on again if Ben's listening. Come on, Ben. We might we, we're gonna need you again. We missed those. I, I missed those puns, but uh, Scotty still comes on regularly and will uh, continue to come on regularly. Uh, Keith Rivas, Hoops Habit uh, contributor, talks a lot of NBA when Keith comes on. Uh, Silas Garrison, the LeBron lover. I was looking. Uh, if you guys want to check out Silas's first ever episode with me, it's episode thirty-three. I had that written down. Silas is very entertaining. Uh, I knew Silas from wrestling. Uh, we did not talk at all that freshman year. 
as we were in college, even though we, when we in high school, we would talk, we, would just, we wouldn't talk, we would just walk past each other. He would call me Lane, actually. He'd be like, hey, Lane, because my last name's Dane, like Daryl Lane. He'd be like, hey, Lane, how you doing? We were always around the same weight, so we would wrestle, uh, just say hi, talk about brackets, who we might be facing, stuff like that. But nothing, friendship, kinship, nothing like that. And then sophomore year, I hit him up because he's playing football at Allegheny College. And then we go from there and we kind of reconnect. And now he's one of my best friends. Uh, I love Silas to death. Uh, Landon Rhodes, who I went to John Carroll with. Noah Taluki, who was my co-host for What's Your Take? Uh, I love Noah to death. Those are some guys that were regulars back in the day. Uh, Jason Cavari, who I do NBA history with. Uh, big Browns fan. Ben Karen, host of the Sports Squabbler Podcast, who will be on in a bit. Uh, Ben's another guy who I never would have met without this podcast, and now he's somebody I, I call a friend and somebody I've talked to when you know when I've had issues going on. And Ben's a really nice guy, and I love and I appreciate and I respect him so much. Uh, Kenny Sem, uh, <laughs> I met Kenny a very weird way. My friend Connell added me on. T- Snapchat, if everybody has Snapchat, you put them on the Snap Maps, so and then this one dude adds me, and then I start talking to him, and I'm like, oh, dude, this dude, this random dude is, like, randomly texting me on Snapchat. He's like, oh, hey. I'm like, uh, hey? And then uh, Kenny ended up being really, really cool, and then I was like, oh, you're a scouting expert. Oh, you're really into football, really into sports. I was like, you should come on my podcast. And then Kenny started coming on, and uh, I consider Kenny a friend. Kenny's super cool. I uh, love talking sports with Kenny. Uh, a football fan, uh, an overall sports fan, too. Now, don't get it mistaken. Kenny loves baseball, and Kenny loves basketball, and he loves Cleveland sports. Uh, and I was just over his house uh, about a month and a half ago, maybe just a month ago, uh, whenever the Giants were playing uh, the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. I went over his house, and we recorded. And uh, that takes a lot for people because, you know, we're in a pandemic. Everybody feels differently about it. He graciously let me into his uh the place he's staying in, his apartment, and we did the pod there when we couldn't, when we had technical difficulties, he let me use a hotspot on his own phone, so I love Kenny, I appreciate Kenny, uh, I'll have him on every time on Monday to recap NFL action, and that will uh, continue, Taekwon Warren, uh, I mentioned him in the beginning when I went over his house to do the podcast, he's the reason I use the software I use right, right now, Soundtrap. Uh, he's come on periodically. He's kind of like Silas, a little bit of a, Lebr- a LeBron lover, uh, but does a lot of rap uh, and uh, has a lot of music that I've used during my podcast for intros and outros throughout the show, sister. So I want to say thank you to Taekwon and Mr. Zach, uh, one of my dad's friends who my dad kind of connected with me with and uh, always enjoy having his insights, his sports knowledge. I know he travels all over the place going to these different sporting events with his son. So really big sports fan and love and appreciate uh, his contributions to the pod. And there's been a ton of other people who have contributed to this podcast that I did not mention, but those are just some names that I just want to write down and give a special thank you. Because whether it was from episode one or episode 229, all those guys have helped made a difference in the podcast. And just the evolution of it. And also, I just also want to thank this. People who lived with me uh, during the time. Because trust me, when you're a college kid and your roommate does a podcast all the time and he's having different guests come in and you're trying to do schoolwork, you might be trying to have girls over, you're hanging out with your friends, that can get annoying. Or when that guy who does the podcast is watching sports late at night on Saturday and you want to bring girls. Like, you know what? That is That can be difficult for some guys. And I do want to thank everybody, all my roommates that I've had since I've been doing the podcast that kind of put up with it, whether it be uh, Randon Ryback, uh, Ken Emch, 
uh, Mike Picciuto, Shaq Bailey. Shaq lived with us for a little bit. That's a whole other story for another day <laughs> that I can't, but he wasn't a roommate. Uh, Caleb Leonard, uh, my guy who I lived with uh, my senior year of college. Uh, Quentin Scott, who was from France, who actually ended up coming on my podcast. And I want to give a shout out to Quentin, too, because it's not easy to come on a podcast when English is your second language. By the way, uh, Quentin came on and he talked a lot of NBA and soccer and just the difference between like France and America in terms of culture and in terms of sports. And that was episode 67, if you guys want to listen to that. And my other roommate, the roommate I first had when I was doing the podcast, Shuhei. Shuhei was from Japan. Uh, and when I first met Shu, Shuhei, I called him Ashui for like the first about two months. And I was like, Shuhei, why did you let me call you Ashui and look like an a-hole? And he, and he was like... I thought it was funny, and I was like, okay, I'm just the ignorant American. I was like, okay, Shuhei. But uh, he came on the podcast, too. Uh, I know he was developing his English. He got to the point when he, he was really good, and he felt really comfortable. I kept begging him to come on my po- on my podcast. Uh, we talked a little bit of anime. Uh, I think we talked Yu-Gi-Oh. I also, we also ended up talking uh, baseball because uh, Shuhei is really into baseball, and if you don't know this in Japan, Japan is huge into baseball, and that was episode 26 of Barbershop Sports Talk. And then people who have done music, like I mentioned again, I've used Taekwon's music. Uh, Eric Sermonara, we had him for my first intro song, total intro song, uh, back in the earlier podcast. want to thank Eric. Uh, wrestled with him. He's now a rapper. He's doing some big things. Also want to thank Angie Kilahar. And if you don't know her, she's the person that you hear when you always hear the podcast. And it's like, thanks for tuning in. To Barbershop Sports Talk. She did that little bit. Uh, she came um, for like an event at John Carroll, and I stayed after, and I was like, hey, you want to do this for my podcast? And she graciously said yes. She probably could have charged me some money to do it, and she did it. Uh, so I just want to say thank you for that. Some notable fans. Uh, my mom always tells me, uh, one of my mom's co-workers, Mrs. Scumachi, her husband, Mr. Scumachi, listens to the podcast. So I wanted to say thank you to you. I appreciate uh, you listening and tuning in, uh, Simpsons man on Twitter. I don't know your real name, which is weird because you like, we inbox each other on Twitter all the time, but your official Twitter name is a uh, money spider. Uh, we'll retweet my podcast. We'll talk sometimes and we'll have these sports discussions. I remember it's like right after the Lakers won the championship, he's inboxing me on Twitter and we start thinking of like the greatest players of all time on the fly. Uh, really appreciate uh, your enthusiasm about sports, uh, and I appreciate your support as well. Uh, and I do got to get your first name. I, I do have to get that. And he did always say, he said, me and Silas could come to Denver, and the first drinks would be on him. But as you guys know, if you guys listen to the podcast, Silas isn't too keen on going to Denver. Also wanted to thank uh, Fred. Uh, he was a uh, cleaner at John Carroll. Uh, I met him, I think, my sophomore year. Uh, we talked, exchanged numbers. I send him my podcast all the time, and he'll always uh, check up on it and tell me how I'm doing. So I want to give a special shout-out to you, Fred, as well. And also special thanks to some people that have helped uh, kind of elevate where the podcast has gone. Uh, Michael Tavera for the WCET FM uh, network and LNM radio network. It, it changed. Uh, I want to thank Michael. Michael hit me up on Twitter. He's from Rochester, and he's like, we want to put your podcast on radio. And that was like the first time anybody said that to me. So I want to give a shout out to Michael. Uh, we're also talking about maybe potentially doing a reunion. We'll see how that works. But uh, I appreciate him having the confidence to put me on the air and putting up with some stuff. Uh, really appreciate that. Uh, Gavin Martin, who did a lot of audio engineering for the show in the beginning. Uh, 
Really appreciate that out of Gavin. Will Weaver, a professor I had at John Carroll University, who was kind of always in my corner, always gave me podcasting ideas. Uh, special shout out to Will, even when I send him my podcast, he'll be like, Daryl, you got to get on Spotify. You need to get on Spotify. Um, we'll talk about stuff with like about Pandora, like just distributing, just a lot of stuff. So I want to say uh, thank you to Will. And then WJCU, the station I'm on right now, uh, guys like Spencer German for uh, letting my podcast be on these airwaves. Uh, just want to say thank you for that. Uh, takes a village to raise a child, takes a big community to make a successful podcast. I remember, like I said at the start, we were only doing it once a week, right? And now we've kind of developed to the point where we can do it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, actually... This is one of the best weeks in the show's history, uh, getting close to uh, 2,000 last seven weeks, 2,000 views. Not quite, but almost there. Uh, really, really close. Hope to maybe break that 2,000 fresh threshold next week and in the coming weeks, but i uh, been really pleased about that, how the podcast has been growing. Uh, so just wanted to say all of that. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at nighttrain underscore lane. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I'm sorry for kind of boring you with the soliloquy. If you're a new listener, uh, if you're an old listener, I uh, just want to say thank you to you guys as well. Uh, follow, subscribe, share it, uh, spread it out, word of mouth with your family and your friends. That's how we kind of grow this thing. And I appreciate everybody and I appreciate the support because uh, you can't get anywhere in life without support. And I love this podcast and I love what I do. So without ado, coming next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Ben Karen, host of the Sports Gobbler Podcast, coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Ben Karen with us, host of the Sports Squabbler podcast for this Thanksgiving episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. How you doing, Ben? How was your Thanksgiving? It was it was good, Daryl. It's pretty busy. Uh, once you become a parent and a dad, uh, holidays take on a new meaning. But I uh, want to wish everybody out there a happy Thanksgiving. So, a lot to discuss. Uh, we're going to uh, preview Week 12 of NFL action. We're going to get to Week 13 of college football action. Before that, let's get to some of these games. Uh, really interesting. Now, the Ravens and Steelers didn't end up playing. Uh, and I was, remember I was texting you this morning, and I was and I was sad, Ben, because you always talk about the somebodies and the nobodies. And at the end of the night, I, I tweeted, you know, we had... Four bad teams play. We had four bad organizations play. We had two blowouts. So you know what? We had a lot of laughs and we had a lot of tears. Because that happens when you have bad teams. But my Christmas wish is... My Christmas wish is for all those teams to go away. And my New Year's resolution is... No 500 teams, no under 500 teams in the playoffs. Is that too much to ask for, Ben? Uh, 
That's my biggest takeaway from the four from the two games I saw and seeing these four teams. That's my biggest takeaway. Well, this year it is too much to ask because of the NFC East. Now, did the now did the games today hurt or help your Thanksgiving? I would say that they hurt <laughs> my Thanksgiving. I was really looking forward to Baltimore and Pittsburgh playing tonight, and of course that was a really big blow when that didn't happen. And to quote Daryl, the American people deserve better, and I agree. We do deserve better than the games we got today. Well, I mean, who, who doesn't want to see the Texans and the Lions and the Cowboys and the and the Redskins? I, I mean, excuse me, the Washington football team. I mean, my God, like I told you, we, we, we got a lot of tears and we got a lot of laughs. Too. That's also what those teams gave us. There's always entertainment with games. You know, I, I enjoy watching Deshaun Watson play, but that's about it. Uh, Washington and Dallas was actually less competitive than I thought it would be. Now, here's an idea I have. Since the Lions and the Cowboys have been abominable organizations for the last 20 years, how about this? And I know... This probably could never happen. But let's figure out a way where in the schedule they can mix and match it somehow. Maybe they would take out a um, when they cross over for conferences. They could take out one of those games. Just have the Lions and the Cowboys play each other every Thanksgiving. And that way, in case we can have two good teams. We can have two good games on Thanksgiving instead of and have the two bad teams play each other. It'd be like, you know, how you talk about the little guys. We have the group of five team. We have a group of five team play each other, and then we have the two power conferences play, right? Doesn't that seem so simple? I think it's definitely a solution. Maybe if, if we are working under that strategy, we could have last year's Super Bowl winner. So in this case, uh, Kansas City Chiefs play somebody. Because I just... In that other game. I, I just can't deal with the <laughs> the Lions and Cowboys. I don't know. I, I get it. It's tradition, but they're just bad. We're watching bad teams play on like the showcase week for the NFL. Like this is the week in the NFL. I'd say besides the Super Bowl, really, right? Thanksgiving in the NFL, right? It's designed uh, to be that way, but it hasn't been that way in quite some time. Fun fact. Um, Counting this game today, when you look at the past 11 years, um, now the Lions and the Cowboys are both 4-7 and seven over the last 11 years on Thanksgiving. That is absolutely awful. Now, I want to go to the Ravens front really quickly. Uh, Lamar Jackson has COVID. Their backup quarterback, Trace McSorley, has COVID. So this means, I guess, Robert Griffin III, if they play, is going to get the nod. And then the backup quarterback, the man being brought off from the practice squad, is going to be your guy, Tyler Huntley. Ben, how's that making you feel? Well, I know it's going to make a lot of people around the NFL and a lot of fans probably feel let down. They want to see Lamar. I, I think Lamar is a very entertaining player as well. But when I look at it, I'm excited for the Ravens fans because I keep telling people Tyler Huntley is way, way underrated. This guy can play. I've even gone as far to say that I think he could be the next Tom Brady when we look at guys that have that 
potentially that trajectory to be a GOAT level player, I think that could be Tyler Huntley. Only problem is nobody's ever heard of him because he played at Utah. Is there there could be a scenario where if they do, I don't even know if the Ravens are going to play because they're talking about they might for, have to forfeit the game because I guess uh, one of their strength coaches didn't follow procedures and that's how this whole COVID outbreak kind of came about. But if they do play, there could be a scenario where, you know, RQ3, he's a running quarterback, he could get hurt or he could play so badly that Harbaugh could be like, we're pulling you out and they get Huntley in. What are the chances you think we'll see Huntley if there is a game on Sunday? Well, um, I'm going to go with about 20%. Like you said, Robert Griffin III, um, not a quarterback that's known for durability, not saying that, you know, we wish anything uh, bad to happen to him because that's definitely not the case. But, you know, when you look at the history, he has sustained some injuries, um, not the most durable. So I think there's about 20% chance we could see Tyler Huntley in the game at some point this weekend. Do you think there will be a game? Because they have, like I said, they've, they've talked about maybe that this could be a forfeit. Like, do you think we'll have a game? I think they'll do everything humanly possible to have a game. So, yes, I think there will be a game. So now, next up, I, I do want to talk about some of these. Uh, we can talk about some of these atrocious games really quickly. Uh, Lions-Texans. Matthew Stafford. You know, I tweeted out too, Ben. Free Matthew Stafford. I know you're not the biggest fan. I'm a bigger fan of him than you are, but super talented. I think he's been hurt because he's been playing with the Detroit Lions, one of the moribund, uh, awful flagship franchises for ineptitude uh, the last couple of decades. Just no matter who's been there, they've always been very, very bad. Bad coached, bad uh, managed, uh, bad ownership. And I think Matthew Stafford has kind of taken the brunt of that. Do you think it's time to kind of end the Matt Stafford era in Detroit and uh, move on to a new? Yes, I think the time to do that was probably about 2017. I've been saying that for several years now, and I know a lot of Detroit Lions fans are going to stick with Matthew Stafford. They're very loyal to him. They will continue to say, well, it's the franchise's fault. It's the franchise's fault. But today's a perfect example, Daryl of why the Detroit Lions need to move on from Matthew Stafford. When you look at the quarterback comparisons, Sean Watson, you know, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Being Matthew Stafford, more along the lines of one touchdown, one interception. And Deshaun Watson essentially doubled up his QBR when compared against Matthew Stafford today. That's kind of embarrassing for Matthew Stafford. When we look at these offenses, too, it's not like the Houston Texans are, are walking in with way better offensive weapons than what the Detroit Lions have, too. I think they're fairly evenly matched. Houston might be a little bit better, but there's no reason that they should have lost this game at home on Thanksgiving. It's supposed to be a staple game for them in their schedule every year, and they went down by 16 points. This, to me, is very clear indication. Probably should just clean house completely, get rid of Matt Patricia, start over at the head coach position. And I think it's also the perfect opportunity for them to move on, 
get some kind of value in a trade for Matthew Stafford and start the rebuild. What places would you could you potentially see Matthew Stafford going? Because I think you acknowledge that he's talented. And uh, I think maybe we might disagree on terms of how good we think he is. But I think you can do some things with Matt Stafford. Is there any places or any teams that you could see him playing at where you think you could see him playing at a high level? Well, I, I think some of the teams that come to mind for me might be Carolina as a possibility, uh, New England as a possibility, maybe Jacksonville. Probably, I would say, his best shot would be at New England. I don't think they're going to stick with Cam long term. Now, I want to go to Deshaun, and I think it's interesting, too, because I will say this about Matthew Stafford. You mentioned their stats. There was a, once upon a time, five, eight years ago, where Matthew Stafford was leading the league in uh, passing. Uh, he was putting up all these crazy stats, but they weren't winning, and if they got to the playoffs, they wouldn't win. Uh, and I feel like Deshaun's not in that territory because Deshaun Watson, obviously, he's won a playoff game. I think we think of him more as a uh, clutch player anyway. But this organization, Houston, has not done a lot. Uh, to put the best pieces around uh, Deshaun Watson. Similarly to Matthew Stafford, they have one of the best wideouts in the NFL, Calvin Johnson. He's just like, hey, I'm done. I'm done. You guys suck. I'm done. Uh, the Texans kind of went up that, and they trade away trade away uh, Deshaun Hopkins. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, excuse me. They trade, trade away DeAndre Hopkins. Do you think that we could see Deshaun Watson be wasted similarly to how Matthew Stafford's kind of been wasted in Detroit with just bad moves and bad organizational structure? I think that possibility exists. However, I feel that there's a good chance that the Houston Texans are still on a decent trajectory. We have to remember they've already fired their coach. Romeo Cornell is just filling in for right now. Uh, He's done a pretty good job especially when you consider back in the early 2000s, he was flipping coins to decide his starting quarterback. Um, (laughs) I would say he's come a long ways. And I just think overall, Deshaun has a little bit more talent than Matthew Stafford. And I do think the Texans are just kind of a tier above the Detroit Lions as a franchise and how competent they are. So now let's go to uh, Cowboys... Washington football team. So much to discuss here. Now, I guess maybe the first thing I'm going to ask you, Ben, is this. Can you fire somebody who had a sleepover at your house? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Can you? I'm just asking. Only if you have have another sleepover before you fire them. Sleepover kind of building up to how does that conversation go then? Does Jerry invite Mike over? He's like, they have the sleepover again. And he's like, he's at dinner. And he's like, hey, you know, it's not working out. It's... <laughs> we still hang here for the night. We can play some video games. <laughs> can, you know, make some breakfast sandwiches in the morning. We'll, we'll still be homeboys, even though it didn't work out. Um, and bottom line here, I don't think they're going to fire Mike McCarthy at the end of this year. I just think they're going to give him a pass a little bit due to COVID-19, but I think it would be a mistake to keep him around. This is a really, really bad loss for the Dallas Cowboys, Daryl. When you look at this game, all right, Alex Smith and Andy Dalton were essentially identical at the quarterback position pretty much. 
Dalton threw for a little bit more yardage than Alex Smith, but, you know, Alex Smith, he finished with an 83.6 rating, and, you know, um, Dalton was 84.8. Dalton had a better QBR, obviously, but the real difference for me was, was the running attack, obviously. Washington football team found a way to run the ball 36 times, and they ran, ran it for 182 yards. And they essentially ran it down Dallas's throat. Had a couple takeaways in there. And the most concerning thing of all, though, for me, uh, was I'm, I'm, I'm checking my phone. I'm, like, looking at the score, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's pretty close. Because I had predicted that Washington would win 27-24. And I'm, I'm feeling good about that prediction heading into the fourth quarter, and then I didn't get a chance to check the final score until a little bit later this evening, and I'm finding out that Washington found some way to put up 41 points and just made Dallas look terrible. So when you're getting blown out by the Washington football team like this at your home stadium in a staple game on Thanksgiving, you have a real problem with the team. It would not be too early, I don't think, to part ways with Mike McCarthy. Well, you know, I think... I don't think that's I, I think <laughs> breaking up with somebody after the sleepover is a better way than doing it over text. Or than maybe Adam Schefter, you just hears in Adam Schefter reports Mike McCarthy's been fired. I mean, hey, you're right. I, I think having another sleepover, that'd be a good way to break the ice. Just to, you know. I... I was one of those people that defended Jason Garrett till the end. I didn't think Jason Garrett was the problem in Dallas. And right now I'm feeling vindicated. It might not be too late for Dallas to get him back. (laughs) Oh, Lord have mercy. I was thinking about this. What do you think? You know, this is what we need. We need both Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Johnson. We need them to meet over the summer, have a couple drinks. They need to do a podcast. And somebody needs to moderate it. And we need them to, like, really tell us what they think of both Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy. Well, what do you think would happen during that conversation, Ben? Well, I think you'd, you'd really find out how much certain people dislike each other in the NFL. Because <laughs> I don't think it would be pretty. I agree. And both of those guys are probably somewhere thinking, you know... The only time that guy won is when I was with them, and that guy's incompetent at what they do, and now that I've left, they've done nothing. I'm pretty sure that's what both Jimmy Johnson and Aaron Rodgers are thinking. Both of them are probably getting probably getting a laugh out of all of this, I, I could imagine. So, one of the turning points in the game, uh, 4th and 10. Um, the score is 20-16. to 16. Mike McCarthy decides to do a fake punt. How bad of a call was that, Ben? You shouldn't be doing it in a close game. I think you just need to stick with, you know, traditional play. I mean, I'm not going to hold it over his head completely, though. I I get why he did it. Maybe things haven't necessarily gone your way. Even, you know, when you look past this one game, maybe things this season haven't gone your way. So maybe that makes you a little bit more willing to take some risks like that, try to spice things up, try to put a little bit of bite back in your team. 
But obviously, because it didn't work out, we're going to criticize him for it. And that's uh, just how it works. When, when the coach calls a play like that and it works, they're a genius. And when it doesn't work, we're like, wait, what were you doing? Are you incompetent? And I think that's kind of where we're at right now. Well, here's the bright side, right? Here's the negatives. Well, the Cowboys got embarrassed. Mike McCarthy got embarrassed. Uh, Jerry Jones got embarrassed. On national TV. And then Thanksgiving's supposed to be the Cowboys thing. And they got embarrassed. But there is good news, right? They're not yet eliminated from a a potential postseason berth in a home playoff game. So there's a bright side, right, Ben? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a bright side if you're Dallas today. You're still in the hunt. <laughs> you know, I mean, looking at the rest of their schedule here, uh, they go to Baltimore. Uh, that's going to be a hard game, but then they're at Cincinnati. They could win that without Joe Burrow there. Um, 49ers at home. 49ers are a little bit banged up. They could be competitive. And then they're finishing uh, against the Eagles and the Giants. You know, those are win- winnable games for Dallas. So, even though they lost tonight, and they've been terrible all season, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, there is still hope because your team plays in the NFC East. How bad is the NFC East compared to the NFC West the year that the Seahawks won it? And uh, they beat the Saints. Uh, Matt Hasselback, Marshawn Lynch, and Coley, they were 7-9 and nine, uh, that year. And they beat the defending champion, New Orleans Saints, in Seattle. Uh how does how do those two years compare to each other? Well, I think this NFC East division that we're seeing right now, Daryl, is the worst division that I've seen in like the 25 years that I've been watching football. I could never think of another division quite as bad. We can look at that NFC West. We can say, hey, those teams really weren't very good. Obviously, Seattle made the playoffs at 7-9. Um, but, you know, as a Seahawks fan, even back then, there was at least something to look forward to. Pete Carroll was kind of new on the scene at the time. And, you know, you're actually thinking, you're like, hey, you know, we could still be on the right track here. We're starting to make some changes. You, they just haven't gotten everything figured out yet. And they ended up winning a playoff yeah. game. Yeah, they did end up winning a playoff game. I'm going to tell you right now, though, whoever makes it from the NFC East this year, they're not even going to be competitive in a playoff game, I don't think. And there's certainly no way they're going to win the playoff game. Now, in terms of the Redskins, excuse me, I keep calling them the Redskins, the Washington football team, they really need to get a name. You are right, Ben. They need to get a name. Uh, In terms of how they looked, would you put them as the favorite right now in the East? I'd say that um, it comes down to them and the Giants. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, I think those are the two teams out there that are playing the best right now. I think it's still we're still going to be in this position, though, with, with two weeks left in the season, and it's just all going to come down to who can close out the deal. But right now, I'm liking Washington and New York. And Alex Smith, I, I do want to get to this. Uh, and I find this really interesting. And I was thinking here, I was thinking as I was watching the game, game, I'm like, so Alex Smith, he did not play that well. Uh, to me, Alex Smith is no longer a starting quarterback in the NFL. 
Uh, uh, I, I think those times are, are long gone. I, I know it's a great story to come back. Uh, he's probably going to come back player of the year. I, I just don't think he's a person. I don't think he's a starting level NFL quarterback anymore. I don't know how you feel about that, Ben, but I do not think he is. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, so this guy who's 37 years old, he almost lost his leg three years ago. He hasn't played in about two years. And he's the starter when they have a first round pick, Dwayne Haskins, who is supposed to be their franchise quarterback. And I'm just like, is Haskins a bust then? Like, this doesn't make any sense. I don't think I'm ready to call Haskins a bust. However, he's going to need a shot. You know, that is kind of the catch-22 for the Washington football team right now. I think their initial plan was, we're just going to let Dwayne Haskins play it out regardless. Um, But then... Ron Rivera didn't like some of the things he's seeing with Wayne Haskins. And I think they were like, oh, wait a minute. We could actually maybe win the division. Well, we have to actually get serious now and go with a a quarterback that's maybe less mistake-prone than than Dwayne Haskins. And and I think that's what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to chase that NFC East title rather than develop Dwayne Haskins, as crazy as that sounds. So we're going to take a quick break and then cut them next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to get into Week 12 NFL predictions. Cut them next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have Ben Karen with us, host of the Sports Grovler Podcast. We just got done recapping a little bit of Thanksgiving action. Texans, Lions, Cowboys, uh, Washington football team, uh, potentially Tyler Huntley, maybe making a name for himself. Maybe we could see that on Sunday. We got into all that. But now we're going to get into Week 12 of NFL action, Ben. We have the 6-4 and four Dolphins at the 0-10 Jets. Is this going to be the game that the Jets get in the win column? No, it's not. I picked the Jets last weekend. They couldn't get it done for me. I'm going with Miami here in a bounce-back game. Dolphins, a little bit disappointing. They played the Broncos last weekend. I think they write the ship this weekend. I'm actually going to go with the Jets. As I'm thinking about this, uh, Brian Flores benched Tua. Tua got hurt as well. They had to pit Fitzpatrick in again. Uh, you know, the Dolphins, I feel like I'm reeling a little bit with their quarterback situation. Uh, the Jets, they have played the AFC East teams tough. They've played the Patriots tough. They've played the Buffalo Bills tough. I think this is the game. If they're going to win, I I think this is their best chance, right? This is their best chance. So I'm going to go with the Jets to go 1-15 instead of 0-16. And and I think this is going to be Jets 20, Dolphins 17. 
Now, next up, we have the 6-4 Arizona Cardinals at the 4-6 New England Patriots. Wow, that's crazy to think about. Just imagine saying that 10 years ago. The Cardinals are 6-4 and four and the Patriots are 4-6. and six. Ben, who you got? Ooh. I will go with the Arizona Cardinals simply because I think they have way more talent than the New England Patriots. However, I think Bill Belichick is going to find a way to make it tough for Kyler Murray. Uh, so I do expect Arizona to win, but I think it's going to be close. I'm going to go with the Patriots. I think traveling cross-country is going to prove a benefit for them as uh, Arizona. They're going to uh, Boston. Uh, I think New England's going to find a way. I think they're going to slow down this Cliff Kingsbury uh, spread offense. I think it's going to be a little bit different. I think they're going to do some stuff to confuse Kyler. Uh, Kyler's been a little bit banged up, too. Um so I don't know if playing in the cold and New England's going to help that, really. Uh, so I think they're going to do a lot of things to make Kyler uncomfortable. So I'm going to go with the Patriots, 26-23. to 23. I think Cam Newton's going to have a pretty big day on the ground. So now we have the 4-7 and seven Panthers at the 4-6 and six Vikings. Ben, what you got? I like Carolina in this one, Carolina dismantled the Detroit Lions last weekend, as I predicted. I think they're going to keep rolling. Carolina is probably the best bad team in the NFL right now. See, for me, I'm going to go with the Vikings. Uh, Still have an outside chance if they went out, they could make the playoffs. They went on a little bit of a run lately. I just think they're more talented than the Panthers. Uh, in every way, shape, or form, uh, through basically every position, I just think they're a better team. They could pretty much argue, and I know Matt Rule's doing a good job, but you could say the Vikings, they're a better coach team as well. So I'm going to go with the Vikings and Kirk Cousins to get things back on track. And I'm going to go with the Vikings 31-24. to 24. So now we have the 7-3 and three. Cleveland Browns at the 1-9 Jacksonville Jaguars. Are we going to get an eighth win for the Browns, Ben? We are. It's happening. Cleveland has a good strategy in place. They're running the ball really effectively with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. They're not asking Baker Mayfield to do too much. I like Cleveland here, Daryl. I'm thinking it's going to be about a 10-point win for them. I'm going to say I like them 38-28. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with the Browns. Uh, they've been kind of peaking at the right time. Uh, they're physical. They're running the ball. They played really well in bad weather. It's going to be a little bit of better weather uh, down in Jacksonville. Uh, I think we're going to see a uh, Baker play a little bit better. We're going to see a little bit of... Uh, more, more Baker through the air, but I think they're just going to dominate Jacksonville. And I'm looking at the Browns, 28 to Jacksonville, 13. So next up we have the 7-3 Tennessee Titans at the 7-3 Colts, a rematch of the Thursday night football game a couple of weeks ago. Ben, who you got in this pivotal AFC South divisional matchup? Well, I'll go with the Tennessee Titans. I think they have to win this game. 
to make the playoffs, and I think there's going to be that level of urgency when they come out and play. I think Derrick Henry is going to have a monster game for them, and I like Tennessee here 35-30. I'm going to go with Tennessee as well. I think we're going to see a big, big day from Derrick Henry. I think we're going to see uh, Derrick Henry go for over 100 yards rushing. I think we're going to see Ryan Tannehill play a lot better than what he played against the Colts the first go-around a couple of weeks ago. I also think we're going to see uh, Phillip Rivers have some turnovers. I know the Tennessee Titans haven't been very good on defense, but I think we're going to see Phillip Rivers uh, make some mistakes, and I think we're going to see them split this divisional game and split the series there as the Titans will move on to 8-3, and three, and I think we're going to see this be a 28-24 type game with the Titans winning on a last play, last drive. Now next up we have... The three and seven New York Giants at the two seven and one Cincinnati Bengals without their starting quarterback Joe Burrow, who has a season injury and ending injury ACL. It's an ACL and MCL injury, I think. Uh, prayers out to Joe Burrow. Hope he gets back uh, with a quick recovery. But without their captain, without their number one draft pick at quarterback, what do you see going on, Ben? Well, it's really, really too bad what happened to Joe Burrow. As a as a, a longtime Bengals fan, that made me really sad to see that. Um, but with that being said, Daryl, there's a huge drop off between Joe Burrow and Ryan Finley. Uh, so I like the Giants' chances here. Have to remember too, the Giants are one of those NFC East teams that I kind of like the way they've been playing. They don't have a lot of talent, but you know, luckily for them this week they're not going up against a very talented roster I don't think so I like them finding a way to get the job done um, I like them probably 30 to 17 I'm going to go with the Giants uh, both these teams are in very in two very different places I think Joe Burrow getting taken out kind of takes the wind out of the sails for the Bengals uh, who are finding a way to be kind of semi-competitive with Joe Burrow under center. Now with that's gone without their best player, there's no shot. The Giants are a team. They're playing for everything. Daniel Jones is playing for his freaking job. They're playing for a playoff berth. They watch uh, Thanksgiving, and they're like, damn, Washington and Dallas? And then, for God's sake, Jason, Jalen Hurts might be starting soon for the Eagles. We need this game. So I think we could see the Giants maybe put it all together. Uh, <laughs> Maybe like a 29-16 to 16 type game. We're like, damn, look at the Giants. So I'm going to go with them. Coming up, we have the 6-4 and four Raiders. At the 3-7 and seven Falcons. Ben, what do you see unfolding? Well, I think it's going to be tight. But at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of like what you said about the last uh, game that we talked about. One of these teams, the Las Vegas Raiders, are trending in the right direction. And one of the teams, the Atlanta Falcons, is trending in the other direction. I think both of those trends continue. And I think Derek Carr uh, continues to play pretty well this year. I like Las Vegas to win this game close. Um, I'm feeling 28-24. I'm going to agree with you, Ben. I think Vegas just has a different mindset. Uh, John Gruden's building something. Really, comp- They beat the Chiefs the first time. Really competitive with the Chiefs in a game everybody thought was going to be a blowout and took them to the bitter end. And if Patrick Mahomes didn't do Patrick Mahomes things, 
Uh, they could be 7-3 and three right now, so I'm going to go with the Raiders as well. I think they're just going to pound Atlanta. I also think they're a lot mentally tougher than Atlanta. So I'm going to go with the Raiders 24-17. Uh, now next up we have my Buffalo Bills uh, facing the Chargers. The Chargers are 3-7, and seven, and they're traveling to Buffalo to face the 7-3 and three Bills. Ben, what do you see happening? Is it going to be good news for me? It's going to be great news for you. I, I see Buffalo winning this game. I think Herbert's going to get a little bit beat up in this one. Buffalo's going to find a way to get a couple takeovers. Takeaways, rather. They're going to use the takeaways, though, to get the game and take it over. Um, and I think, I, I think it's going to be really, really tough sledding for Justin Herbert on the road. It worked her part in late November. Oh, well, Ben, I, I think we're going to see a duel of two of uh, the bright young stars in the NFL. With Josh Allen, of course, getting it done in the end, I'm going to go with the Bills, 35, uh, Chargers, 31. But I will say this. The Chargers have broken my heart a couple of times. Ben, I'm going to give you a fun fact. Nathan Peterman's first start as a Buffalo Bill was against the Los Angeles Chargers, and I saw him throw five picks in, uh, I think, the first half, which was kind of embarrassing. And then, the game where Vontae Davis quit and said, no Moss, that was against the Chargers. So, weird things happen when the Bills play the Chargers, Ben. Oh, I don't like those odds. <laughs> Well, hopefully no one quits at halftime. That would not be ideal. you got to make it through the whole game. So next up, we're going to have a game that should have actually happened tonight, but did not. The 6-4 and four Ravens at the 10-0 and o Steelers. So, Ben, let's do this. Let's do this one with RG3, and let's do the other one with Tyler Huntley. Okay. So, the Pittsburgh Steelers playing Baltimore with RG3. I think the Steelers dominate the game. I don't think it's especially close. We know Baltimore is depleted due to the virus to some degree. And we also know that Pittsburgh has a really, really good rush defense, uh, which means that RG3 may not be able to be as mobile as he wants to be if he's in that game. So if RG3 is in there and they're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, I like the Steelers 31-13. to If Tyler Huntley is the starting quarterback for Baltimore, I like Pittsburgh, but I think it's substantially closer. I would say I like Pittsburgh somewhere in the range of like 31 to maybe 26. Now I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. Uh, if both quarterbacks play, it doesn't, to me it doesn't matter. Uh, I think they're going to dominate it. I think it's going to be tough for Baltimore to get anything. The best friend of a young quarterback, uh, or a quarterback that's not very good, speaking of RG3 and Tyler Huntley, is play action, is running the ball. That's not going to be able to happen. I think they're going to snuff out that. I think both these quarterbacks are going to have a tough day. I mean, way to have your first NFL start and the case of RG3 in years and Tyler Huntley, if he uh, gets some time against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the number one defense in the NFL, that's not what you want. That's not the key to success. So I think we're going to see a dominating 
23 to 6 type of game. I think it's just going to be very physical and uh, a rough one for the Ravens. Now, we're going to have the 4 and 6 San Francisco 49ers at the 7 and 3 Los Angeles Rams. Ben, what do you see unfolding in this NFC West matchup? Well, I think the Rams are going to show that right now they're significantly better than the 49ers who are injury riddle. Um, I I think Los Angeles is going to dominate this game. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be like a 20-point victory, so I'll say 40-20. to 20. I'm going to go with the Rams 31-23. to 23. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than you think. I think Kyle Shanahan can always cook up some stuff to stress out a defense. I think they're going to find a way to get receivers open and uh, run the ball, though I think at the end of the day, the Rams, they're healthy and ready and loaded and ready to go, and I think that's going to kind of show. So next up we have Taysom Hill making his second ever start for the 8-2 and two Saints as they travel two mile high to face the 4-6 and six Denver Broncos. Taysom Hill going to be 2-0 as a starter, Ben? Oh, man, this is... I'm going to go Denver. This is real hard for me, but I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna select Denver to win the game. Really? Okay, I Ben. Think this is gonna be just too hard up in Denver for a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience as a quarterback. That mile high altitude that's gonna slow New Orleans offense down to some degree. And, and I just get this feeling, Daryl, like this week Drew Locke is gonna have a big week. So I like Denver in the upset here. 31-28. Well, Ben, isn't... Let me just say this. Isn't BYU in Utah? Yes. See? Utah has high altitude, not as high as Denver, but Utah has high altitude. Taysom Hill is made for this. This is Tebow time part two. All he does is win. He has the intangibles. He has the coaching in Sean Payton. He has the skill and he has the will. I think we're going to see another big day from Taysom Hill. I think we're going to see him run the ball. I think he's going to have a couple rushing touchdowns. I think they're going to get Michael Thomas involved. I think Alvin Kamara is going to dominate the game. And Ben, you have a lot more faith in Drew Locke than I do because the New Orleans Saints defense has been coming along strong, and I think that is bad news for Drew Locke. I'm going to go with the Saints 30. I'm going to say the Broncos 14. Now... Next up, we have the 9-1 Kansas City Chiefs at the 7-4 Denver Broncos. A conversation me and Ben were talking a little bit off air. The GOAT versus the potential new GOAT. Who do you see winning, Ben? I like Kansas City here, Daryl. And the, the reasoning is pretty simple. I think Kansas City as a team is going to function better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With Kansas City, these guys, they know what their roles are. They've already been there. They've already won a Super Bowl together. I think their coach is a little bit better, and that's why I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think there's potential for some volatility this week on the Tampa Bay sidelines. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. I think this is just going to be one of those weird games that Tampa has because Tampa can be very Jekyll and Hyde where it's like, wow, you know, it's kind of they play the Packers and we see them beat the snot out of Green Bay. And it's like, where did this come from, right? Where did this come from? Uh, so I'm going to go with Tampa. I'm going to go with Tampa 
35 to 42. I think this is going to be super high scoring. I think it's going to be one of those classic Patrick Mahomes Brady games. I think it's going to kind of be similar to how uh, their AFC Championship game went a couple of years ago. And I think we're going to see a big day for Tom Brady as he outduels Patrick Mahomes. So now we have for Sunday night football. The 5-5 five five Chicago Bears at the 7-3 Green Bay Packers. And it looks like Mitch Trubisky is going to start this game as well with Nick Bowles being hurt. Ben, who do you got? Got to go with the Packers here. I think it could potentially be a trap game for them. But I like him at home with Aaron Rodgers in a nice bounce-back game. But anytime you have a team like the Chicago Bears... It has the capability to really get after Aaron Rodgers and put pressure on him the way the Bears do. We know Rodgers doesn't do that well with that, so that has to be taken into consideration. There is a Khalil Mack factor here. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Packers. Uh, wrong place, wrong time. Uh, I love Mitch Trubisky. Uh his uh, brother goes to John Carroll, by the way. So shout out to the Trubiskys for Mentor Ohio. Uh, but Mitch is uh, has proven out to be a very good quarterback. Uh, I think he's going to struggle. Uh, Packers, they have a good pass rush with the Smith brothers. I think they're going to get after him. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been on this resurgence where they're just dominating. I think Khalil Mack potentially could make things interesting, but Khalil Mack is one guy. I feel like they can find a way to slow him down. Not unless Khalil Mack... Has one, I mean, and he had that one game before a couple of years ago when he single-handedly kept them in the game against the Packers. Uh, if you remember that, when the the Bears, I think that might have been on Sunday night too, actually. But I'm going to go with the Packers. I'm going go with the Packers 31, Bears 20. I think the Packers are going to get out to a lead and just never look back. Now, for Monday night, we have Ben's Seattle Seahawks, who are 7-3 and three at the 3-6-1 Eagles. Is the NFCs going to make a good showing on Monday Night Football, Ben? No, they are not. This is a game of what I like to call the somebodies and the nobodies. Seattle, I think, is going to win this game by a couple touchdowns, Daryl. I don't think there's any way that this Philadelphia defense is going to be able to stop Tyler Lockett and um, DK Metcalf. I think it's even going to get worse if Chris Carson's able to play. We saw what Carlos Hyde was able to do last weekend. I, I just I don't think Philadelphia can stop Seattle on offense, and I think Seattle is going to continue to show improvement on defense with the latest addition of Carlos Stansby. Yeah, this could be ugly. We could see Jalen Hurts. This could be the game that. Gets Jalen Hurts in the game um, th that uh, makes Carson Wentz get benched because Seattle's defense is not very good. I think this is going to be very telling. If Carson Wentz can't get the job done against this Seattle defense, then we're starting to look at some big problems, Ben. Because <laughs> it doesn't get much worse than this defense. I know they're improving, but if you're the quarterback your franchise needs you to be as the second overall pick in the draft, as a guy that was an MVP candidate uh, not too long ago, as a guy that, has a, that gets the max extension, gets the max money, uh, you need to play well against a bad defense, and Seattle Seahawks have a bad defense. Now, out-dueling Russell Wilson is a little bit of a different task, but 
I, I think that we're going to see Carson, and I think we're going to see the Eagles. I think they're going to score some points. I just don't think they're going to be able to keep pace with what Seattle has. So I'm going to go with Seattle 42, Eagles 31. Seattle has also traditionally played really well in primetime games. So that's just something else to keep into consideration here. And they also do very well when they play other birds. That is true. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break. And then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get into week 13 of college football. And we're going to predict some of those games and talk a little bit potentially about the college football playoff rankings because those just came out. And the little guys, because I know Ben cares about the little guys. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. with Barbershop Sports Talk and we still have Ben Karen with us, host of the Sports Gobbler Podcast and now it's time for college football predictions for week 13. But Before we get to that, Ben, the college football playoff committee met earlier this week and they released their first set of rankings. Now we've talked about this, we've kind of talked, I think we talked about Bleacher Report's rankings and we've talked about the AP and we've kind of talked about the tail of the tape for all these teams is going to be how the playoff committee ranks these teams because as we know that's what's going to determine who makes the playoffs. So at one we have Alabama, two we have Notre Dame, three Clemson, four Ohio State, five Texas A&M, six Florida, seventh Cincinnati, who beat UCF 36-33, by the way, and they're now 8-0, and 8th Northwestern. So I guess at first glance, the first thing we should talk about is at number 7, the little guy, Cincinnati, the highest-ranked group of five team ever in the college football playoff committee era. Ben, what does that have you think? Well, it lets me know that that they value the fact that Cincinnati's been playing consistently and winning their games. Now, wh- where does Cincinnati in the sports guapler power rankings? Well, I'd have to look at it. Uh, bear with me just a second. Why don't you come back to me on that question? Okay, I'll come back to you that on, on that. Uh, also, what was talked about a lot is Ohio State and Clemson. Clemson being the three, Ohio State being the four. How do you feel about that one? Well, uh, I do take issue with that. I mean, I could see how someone could put uh, Notre Dame possibly ahead of Ohio State, but I think an undefeated Ohio State should go ahead of a a one-loss Clemson, especially when you compare resumes. Ohio State just came off of an extremely impressive win um, over Indiana uh, last Saturday, and that, that got some attention from me. Um, because Indiana's played great all year, and Ohio State was in some control of that game pretty much the entire way, even though they didn't win by that big of a margin. So I think it's a little bit uh, disrespectful to Ohio State to have them at four. 
Yeah, I would agree with you. I think what it does show is that the committee is going to value a uh, number of games played with, you know, we're in the COVID pandemic, obviously, with all that going on. And, and they value the fact that uh, Clemson's been out there and the ACC, you know, decided to have their conference play a lot earlier than the Big Ten. I think you can obviously tell that they value that in terms of their uh, rankings, which I think will be very interesting the more we go through this when it comes to a Texas A&M and a Florida. Because that is very interesting, Ben, don't you? I would say it's very interesting, and I think they have a very tough job this year. I was talking to one of my good friends the other night about college football a little bit, and one of the things that I was saying, I mean, even with regards to, like, some of the little guys, is it's really, it's hard to know how good they really are, because a lot of the Power 5 schools are only playing other Power 5 schools this year. There's not a lot of -of out-of-conference matchups, and... In light of that, I think it's made it extremely hard to really know, you know, can the little guys keep up. Um, and I think when the rubber hits the road, we're going to end up with some bad bowl matchups as a result of that. Because uh, I, I predict we're going to find out some of the little guys are not as good as we thought they were. Now, with Cincinnati being seven, I want to go back to Cincinnati. They are the highest yes. ranked group of five team of the college football playoff era. Higher ranked than UCF ever was. Yeah. How good does this put them in position to be in the playoffs? Because right now, they're only three spots back. That's close enough to taste it, Ben. Well, I, I still think uh, they're not in a very good position to make the college football playoff. And here's why. When I see everything breaking down long term, I see Alabama probably finishing out the season undefeated, and that'll, of course, eliminate Florida, who will likely play in the SEC championship game. So Alabama will get a spot, and then I think Ohio State will finish the season undefeated, and I think they'll earn a spot. Notre Dame and Clemson are probably going to meet up in the ACC championship game, and I think the winner of that game is going as well. Um, So then that leaves one other playoff spot available, and... Let's face the facts here. The big battle for playoff race. There's no way they're going to be around. So the choices are, you know, a possible undefeated Pac-12 team, such as Oregon or Washington or um, USC, could be a possibility if they can somehow manage to win out. They'd have to move up the rankings quite a bit, but I think they're going to be in the discussion at the end of the season if they're still undefeated. Um, another um, possibility, and one that I'm very much hoping for, is that Texas A&M is in that last spot. I think as long as Texas A&M lives out the rest of the way, it's going to be very hard for the committee to not have them in the college football playoff, Daryl. They're sitting in fifth place right now. They've got a good enough strength of schedule to carry them the rest of the season. And... We know Clemson and Notre Dame are going to play, and after that game happens, I think one of those teams is going to fall behind the Aggies, should the Aggies still uh, win out at that point in time. So I think in order for Cincinnati uh, to potentially get into the mix and into the discussion, Texas a and is going to have to lose at least another game. Probably um, Pac-12 champions going to have to have lost two games. And, you know then we could possibly be talking about them, possibly, 
Um, although, you know, even at that point, I think it's like if Clemson wins the rematch against Notre Dame, then the top four could just remain the same. Uh, so I think they have to get a lot of help at this point in time to make it. I also wanted to let you know I have Cincinnati at number 10 on my personal rankings. So not that far off from the committee. But right now, Cincinnati's ranked higher than any Pac-12 team. I mean, that's important to state, that they're ranked higher than any Pac-12 team right now. I think that's just a reflection, though, of the fact that Pac-12 just started playing three weeks ago. That's fair. No, no, that, that's fair. That, that is fair. That is fair. Uh, but I don't think it's that... I don't think it's that crazy to envision a world... That A and M loses. Florida, obviously, it's not hard to envision Florida losing to Alabama, uh, and maybe let's say Notre Dame wins uh, again. I I don't know if it's all that crazy, and since I, I think crazier things have happened, I, I don't think it's likely. I wouldn't bet money on it, but I think there is a path. And I will say this: I think this is the best chance for a Group of Five team to make the playoffs. If it's going to happen, it's going to have to happen this year. Yeah, that might very well be the case. Um, we'll just have to see how things play out. Hey, just imagine. We can see Cincinnati versus Alabama. Uh, no one in the country wants to see that. <laughs> except maybe Alabama fans. So now let's get to uh, our predictions for Week 13. 15th Oregon who's 3-0 versus 1-2 Oregon State. Ben, are we going to see an upset in the Civil War? No, Oregon is the better team this year. They have the much better front line. They're going to control the line of scrimmage. I like Oregon here by about 20-0. So do I. Uh Wrong place, wrong time. Just too much talent. Uh, just different levels. The somebodies versus the nobodies in your state. I think that's what this is. is. Uh, Colorado and USC, by the way, has been canceled uh, due to COVID. Uh, so we're going to go to the... Oh, yes, yes, I just saw that that's going to be uh, canceled. But we have the Big Ten, who is going to have a big slate of games... Nebraska, who's one and three, versus the twenty-fourth ranked Iowa Hawkeyes, who are three and two on the year. Ben, what do you see unfolding? I think Iowa's going to win again. I think they're going to win a competitive game, something probably along the lines of like thirty-one twenty-four. I do think, though, I was a little bit surprised. And I just want to share this: that, that the college football committee had Iowa in the top twenty-five at all right now. I'm not sure that they deserve to be there, but I guess we'll find out after the game against Nebraska. I think Nebraska is going to show that they don't deserve to be there. I think Scott Frost and them are going to pull off an upset, and I'm going to go with Nebraska 34, Iowa 31. Now next we have Maryland, who is two and one on the year, versus the 12th ranked Indiana, who just came off a tough loss to. Ohio State and they're four and one. Is Indiana gonna continue to rack up those Big Ten wins, Ben? Uh, I think they're gonna 
I think they are. Game is at home. They're in Indiana. Spent the last week really trying to figure themselves out after the first loss of the season. I like their 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 chance here to, to bounce back. I think the line on them at eleven and a half is about right. I'll say I like Indiana probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like thirty five to twenty three. Yeah, and by the way, props to Indiana. I was impressed with how they played against Ohio State. I thought that game would be a lot worse. Uh, I think they're, they're building something there. They are building something there. Uh, and I think they're starting to try to become a somebody. And uh, the second toughest division, uh, historically, the last decade or so in college football, right? There's the SEC West and there's the Big Ten East. I think they're trying to build up their program. And they're starting to become maybe a somebody as Michigan State, Penn State, and Michigan become nobodies. Uh, so I think uh, the way to keep that going is you got to beat a team like Maryland. And I think they're going to do that, and I think they're going to dominate Maryland. So next up we have somebodies turn nobodies. Penn State 0-5. Gosh, that hurts. Versus the 2-3 and Michigan Wolverines. My gosh, James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh. This is just, this is sad, Ben. This is sad. The Wolverines have to find a way to win the game. I mean, the Wolverines have to find a way to win. I think they've got a little bit more talent right now. I'm going to cut the Wolverines a break, and I'm going to pick them. And I'm going to say it's going to be close, 30 to 27, Daryl. I'm gonna go with Penn State twenty-one to twenty-four. Uh, make the <laughs> make the chance and chitter chatter louder on Jim Harbaugh's head. I love a lot of controversy. Uh, Michigan has not been uh, good. Neither is Penn State by by that matter. But let's also remember this: Penn State was one controversial call from beating Indiana. So Penn State hasn't been totally that inept, right, the whole year. So I just want to put that out there. So next we have eighth-ranked Northwestern, who's five and zero versus one and three Michigan State. Ben, what you got? Ooh, um, I think it's a little bit of a trap game for Northwestern. I'm actually going to go with Michigan State here in the upset. Um, I think Michigan State is going to find a way to upset these guys. I like Michigan State here, thirty-four thirty. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with Michigan State, uh, 28-21. A little bit of a trap game for Northwestern, like you said. Going to be a game that kind of comes out of nowhere, and I think we're going to be looking at it and be like, oh, wow, Northwestern lost? And I I think it's going to be one of those games. So now we're going to go to the Big 12. 13th-ranked Iowa State Cyclones, who are 6-2 versus the 17th, Ranked five and two, Texas Longhorns. Ben, who you got? I like Iowa State here. Longhorns have struggled at times to play well at home. Iowa State has looked really good against some of the top teams in the Big Twelve past few years, and they looked really good last week. I was way dead wrong about them against Kansas State. They wipe the floor with Kansas State. They're walking into this game with all kinds of swagger and confidence. I'm going to go with Iowa State to control this one, 42 to 21. 
I'm going to go with Texas. Horns up, Ben. I'm going to go with Texas in a uh, high-scoring affair. 44-41. to 41. I think they're just going to find a way to get it done. And then Texas fans and alumni can keep saying they're back. And I know that will make you laugh at your alter ego, Ben Levy, who went to the University of Texas. Now, Sam Ellinger is going to have to have a big day if they have any chance to win. I agree. Hey, the, you need your big stars to deliver. You need your big stars to deliver. That's why they brought him here, Ben. Uh, Texas Tech. We have Texas Tech, who's 3-5, and five, versus the 23rd-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys, who are 5-2. and two. Ben, any chance Oklahoma State loses? None. Cowboys are going to win this one. It's not going to be very tough. I, I don't foresee Texas Tech giving them any problems. I like Oklahoma State here. I like them like 38 to probably 14. I would agree with you that. I think we could see a 40-piece uh, during this game. Now let's go to the ACC. We have the second-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who are 8-0 and on the season, versus the 19th-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels, who are 6-2. and Ben, I'm smelling an upset. I'm going with the Mac. The Mac is back, and they are going to stun Brian Kelly and Notre Dame 31-30. I think I'm going to have to agree with you. Yes. I thought about this one long and hard, and it's just going to be one of those days. One of this weird week with Thanksgiving. And I like Mac Brown, and I like North Carolina here. One team has nothing to lose, and one team has everything to lose. Going to go with North Carolina, and I think it's going to be very close the entire way. But at the end, I, I like North Carolina maybe like 30 to 28. Though I will say this. If North, Car- if North Carolina does beat Notre Dame, Notre Dame can still make the playoffs. They just have to beat Clemson. That becomes a must win. Because I think now it's kind of like if Clemson, some people are saying if Clemson were to beat Notre Dame, Notre Dame could just drop to the four. Uh, but, but there's still a path for them to make the playoffs, and a likely path. So I do want to say that. Now, next let's go. To the five and four Pittsburgh Panthers versus the seven and one third ranked Clemson Tigers. Ben, who you got? I got Clemson in a blowout here, Daryl. This is going to be one of those games that's not even going to be worth watching. I think Clemson's going to win this one, like probably fifty-two to maybe twenty. Um, it's so clear to me that Clemson is just absolutely. They're chomping at the bit to play somebody. We saw Davos Weenie coming out with allegations that Florida State was trying to duck them last week. That, to me, just illustrates the level of hunger that the Clemson Tigers have to get back out and get things going with Trevor Lawrence again. And I think they're just they're starving for it right now. Wrong place, wrong time for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think we could see like a 50-13 to 13 type of game. I, I think uh, it could get ugly. I think Dabo Sweeney's going to uh, call out the dogs. Uh, a little ACC bloodbath action. So now we're going to go to the SEC. It just means more there, as you know, Ben. Kentucky, who's 3-5 and five versus 6-1 and one Florida. Ben, who you got? 
I got Florida. I got Kyle Trask continuing to roll, continuing to be in the forefront of that Heisman discussion. And I think Florida is going to um, win. I think Kentucky is going to bounce back a little bit. They got their um, butt completely kicked last weekend. And uh, that's one of the reasons I'm back on the show, by the way, because, you know, there was a blowout. Daryl was asking, you know, hypothetically, if Kentucky won, would I be shocked? Um, (laughs) I'd be shocked if Kentucky won this week, too. But I think it's going to be a little bit closer. But I like Florida here. I like them, like, 42 to 28. Yeah, I'm going to go with you wholeheartedly on that. Uh, Kyle Trask is playing really well. Really, really well. I think Florida is going to destroy Kentucky. Now, next up, we have LSU, who's three and three, versus the fifth-ranked Texas A&M Aggies, who are five and one. Ben, I'm just gonna say this right now. I'm going with an upset. I'm going LSU Tigers at Orgeron and Company. They're going to pull off a huge upset of the college football world, and they're going to beat the Aggies, 29 to 26. Ben, tell me I'm crazy. You are crazy. It's going in the opposite direction. <laughs> Texas A&M is going to show up, and they are going to take that next step with Jimbo Fisher, and I think you're going to see a blowout maybe in the other direction. LSU looked pretty bad, Daryl, and I, I don't see that changing uh, for the rest of this season. Texas A&M, on the other hand, looked pretty good. I like A&M here. I like them 40 to somewhere in the neighborhood of 24. So next up... College station is a tough place to play. That is true. Now next up we're going to have the ninth ranked Georgia Bulldogs who are 5-2 and two on the year versus the 2-6 and six South Carolina Gamecocks who just uh, got rid of Will Muschamp. Can Carolina pull off an upset? Rally for their fallen coach? Well, they, they, they can pull off an upset. They upset Georgia last year, though, and um, I don't think Georgia forgot about that. Look for Georgia to be out for redemption here. They're not going to be calling off the dogs early, and uh, I think Georgia's going to win by a lot. I mean, this one to me is feeling like a 36 to maybe 12 kind of game. I agree with you. I'm going to go with Georgia 31-7. to I think they're going to dominate and fly around. And that is it for uh, Week 13 College Football Predictions. Ben, I want to thank you for coming on the pod, man. I appreciate it. Always great to be here, Daryl. Thanks for having me on. And once again, I want to thank Ben Karen, host of the Sports Grobler Podcast, for coming on the show. I appreciate that. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 229th episode of Barbara Shop Sports Talk.